0: You're listening to a Sunday morning sermon by Authentic Church. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Uh, last week, Tammy closed, if you like, chapter one in our life as a church, and she called it Go, and it was Go with Compassion and Go with Courage. courage. <laughs> I forgot it yesterday as well. Um, and here we are, we have gone, we have arrived, and we, we we're really excited about that. And as we start our life in chapter two in the chapel, there's a lot to do. Tammy's talked about needing to kind of you know potentially get involved and do more and to help. And and it's not just about the practical tasks. You know, we have a clear vision and a big purpose we've talked about wanting to continue what jesus started we want to preach the good news heal the sick see the captive set free we want to meet through jesus every human need i mean that's a pretty broad scope as it goes to meet every human need we know the lord commands us to fulfill both the great commandment to love the lord with all your god and he commands us to fulfill the great commission To go and make disciples of all nations. We want to see the kingdom of God grow, not just in this village, but in the surrounding villages. And in our towns, and in our cities, and in our country in the world. Now we're starting off here, but who knows where God can take us. We want to see authentic church grow and make a positive contribution, if you like, to the community. It makes an impact in a positive way in the community. And we believe this isn't just for authentic church, for me and Tammy, but this is for all of us. The Great Commission is for all of us. And if I can be honest, it's a bit daunting. It's a bit daunting. And if I think about it too long, I find myself thinking, how, Lord? How Are we going to do this? Now, I'm up for this, clearly, and I kind of want to get on with it. But God calls us to do all of this stuff at the same time as we're doing life. We're not full-time pastors. We work. We do life. We raise families. We deal with COVID. We pay bills. We cope with physical health issues. When I went... Recently, for my operation, we'll deal with the challenges of life. We deal with hardships. We deal with emotional issues, with mental issues, with health issues, with grief and loss. So we need to do all of those wonderful things for God at the same time as we're doing life. And that's tough. So we're called to fulfil God's great commandments at the same time as we do life. It's not separate at the same time as someone once said I'd be an amazing Christian if people and life didn't get in the way and I think so often that can be the the case but it's critical I think as we start this next chapter that we get a clear idea of how or more importantly who is going to help us achieve all these things we feel led to Who are we going to rely on and depend on to make this happen? And to help us do that today, we're going to look at someone called Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was the governor of Judah. He was in charge of rebuilding the second temple of God after the Israelites returned from exile to Jerusalem. So the first temple got demolished. So Rebobal came back and he was in charge of Judah and told, you've got to rebuild. it is God's command to him. You need to rebuild the temple. Now, this is a massive task. We think we have a big task. He had a massive task. And we know from what scriptures tell us, there were obstacles he was facing. I'm sure we all know what that's like in life when obstacles get in the way. But God spoke to Zechariah, who was a prophet, and God sent Zechariah to speak to Zerubbabel. And this morning I want to look at what Zechariah said to Zerubbabel to help him, a lot of Z's in there, to fulfil his task. Now, I'm going to read today from Zechariah 4, 6 to 7. I, I would just say I wouldn't look it up because it's a tiny verse, so, and it took me ages to find it. It's really hard. <laughs> I did have to look it up in the index. It's very So, Zechariah 4, verses 6 to 7, and reading from the New Living Translation. This is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel. It is not by force, nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's armies, nothing, not even a mighty mountain will stand in Zerubbabel's way. It will become a level plain before him. So what can we learn from this today? How can we apply it to our lives and to authentic church? After all, this happened two and a half thousand years ago. But I think there's some critical lessons that we can take that still apply to us today. Let's be clear, Zerubbabel was in no doubt about what God had asked him to do. He knew he had to rebuild the temple. We know that God, we know he must have been struggling to achieve this because God sent a prophet to speak to him. So if he was doing fine, if he was all great, I can do this, no problems, he wouldn't have needed help. Clearly, God could see he was struggling, so he sent Zechariah to speak to him. So I think we can safely say from this that Zerubbabel was struggling and was probably struggling because he was relying on himself or other people to achieve this task. And clearly, things weren't going well. I wonder how many of us today are in that same situation. There's something tough in our lives and we're relying on ourselves to fix it. And then wondering why it's hard. So let's have a look. God makes it both clear, though, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, that relying on ourselves isn't always the best way to cope in isaiah 31 it says woe to those who go down to egypt for help who rely on horses who trust in the multitude of their chariots and in the great strength of their horsemen but do not look to the holy one of israel or seek help from the lord so there they were looking at all they had all their brilliant stuff but they weren't looking or seeking help from the Lord. In Psalm 20 it says, some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we rely, we trust in the name of the Lord our God. So what are we trusting in? It may We don't have chariots today or horses, but we may have jobs with great incomes. We may have lottery tickets, whatever it is that we think we're relying on. So those in the Old Testament, if you then look into the New Testament, uh, Paul writes, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. God made it clear to Zerubbabel and he makes it clear to us today that if we rely on ourselves and don't rely on God, things are going to be tough. They're going to be different, difficult. He tells us don't rely on your own strength. Don't rely on your own power. But if we're not going to rely on ourselves, then well, what do we rely on? In our verse, we read it very clearly, by my spirit, rely on God's spirit. To cope with all of life and all the things that life throws at us, we're called to rely on the Holy Spirit. How can we accomplish what God has called us to do in this church and as individuals by the Holy Spirit? How do we fulfill our purpose? By the Holy Spirit. It's not by our force it's not by our strength the Lord tells us but by my spirit Now that's nice and simple if you like nice and clear do not rely on yourselves rely on God's Holy Spirit but I kept reading through Zechariah and there's no instructions for how to actually do that it's all very well saying rely on the Spirit but how how I just want to look at two ways that I think God calls us to rely on the Holy Spirit. Proverbs 16.3 says, commit to the Lord whatever you do and he will establish your plans. Psalm 37 says, commit everything you do to the Lord, trust him and he will help you. Now, commit means to pledge or bind or dedicate or transfer, to consign or send someone or something. Therefore, God calls us to commit whatever we do into his care and his hands. In doing so, in committing these things to the Lord, we rely on his strength, on the Holy Spirit himself... To help us, rather than relying on ourselves. Tammy and I regularly pray for all of you. So you may like to know. And we pray for the church. And one of the things we regularly do is we commit each of you and commit the church into God's hands. We give it over. We cannot do this on our own. Even if you were all lovely and all worked full time for the church, we still couldn't do it on our own. We have to commit our ways to the Lord and rely on Him. 188 days ago, I committed my eczema into the Lord's hands. Now that might sound really strange and you're wondering, where is this going, Nigel? My whole life, I've struggled with eczema particularly on my hands. Fortunately, I haven't had it super severely, but I've never been able to shift it from my hands. Um, and it's not nice at times, Tammy will tell you. In a single night, I can wreck my hands and they can be bleeding and left a real mess. And then I put steroid creams on and I go around a loop and they get fixed. And then I go around it again and scratch them and all the rest of it. I've gone to various treatments and various sorts, but nothing's ever fixed it. And then about 188 days ago, I'd really reached a point where I'd, I'd kind of had enough. I was really frustrated about it. So I started to do a bit of research about scratching. And there's something called a scratch cycle. And someone did some research. They, they sat people who had um, issues with eczema in an MRI, and they watched what happened in their brain. And what they discovered was that when people scratched, it lit up parts of the brain which were a pleasure section. They were like a reward. So scratching incited this reward. It's like, this is nice, this is pleasurable. And actually it made sense because when you have it, you will all have itches at times and you scratch it. So when you get it, Oh, so good. (laughs) Now, if you multiply that lots of times, that's really not great. And what researchers came to realise is that people who scratch a lot actually become addicted to scratching. And so I wrote on an eczema blog, six months, and I said, my name's Nigel, I'm a scratchaholic. (laughs) I'm a scratchaholic. And it's true. I'd got into a cycle of scratching. Scratching was a way of relieving pressure. So then I thought, well, if this is an addiction, then how do I fix this? How do I look into this? How do I so I looked at the obvious 12 steps. Now, the 12-step program doesn't really work for eczema, um, let's be clear. It's a bit extreme for what I needed to fix. But there were parts of the 12-step program that worked. They made sense. And for me, it was about recognising that I had an issue with scratching. And it may sound silly, and I'm not trying to make any addiction trivial, but it was real. Yeah, I get it. it was real. Yeah. So I had to recognise I had an issue with scratching. Now, one of the things about the twelve-step thing, twelve-step program, for those who you know, is one is you take one day at a time. You don't worry about yesterday. You don't worry about tomorrow. You just take one day at a time. Second thing is you recognise you cannot do it on your own. That's really critical. And when the 12 step program was started by Christians, your higher power was God. You committed to God. Now, they've changed it over the years to a higher power. So, 188 days ago, I said to God, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this. This is just wrecking my hands. And so I said, I want you to help me just for today. Not for tomorrow, not what happened yesterday, just today, help me not to scratch. And I'll be honest, the results were astounding. The results were astounding. Something called lichenification is when when you keep scratching, the skin rebuilds thicker and thicker, and some knuckles are really solid. These knuckles are now smooth, 180 days are still smooth. Now, why am I telling you this story? I'm telling you it because I committed this to the Lord. I stopped relying on myself to try and fix this. And I took one day at a time. And in doing so, doesn't mean I've never scratched again. I still scratch, but I put an awful lot less cream on and I have a lot less stress with it. And God is in it every single day. I committed my way to the Lord by my spirit. Says the Lord. So, how do we rely on the Holy Spirit? The first way is that we commit our actions, we commit our challenges to God. And we acknowledge that we can't do these things on our own, but we need His help. That's the first way I believe we can rely on the Holy Spirit. The second one is not to rely on our own understanding of a situation. Proverbs three five six 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Over the last few weeks, I've had, i found myself asking a number of times, why God? Why? I've been in hospital and you know the story from what I talked about last week, trouble Bringing my little ivy drip to the toilet every 30 minutes. I was not in a good place. Why God? Why? This wasn't supposed to be happening. I was supposed to be preaching. We had to cancel the service. Why God? And the trouble is when we're trying to make sense of things and asking the why questions, then it leaves me tired and exhausted and defeated. Yeah. I want to know why things are gone, have gone wrong. But I think sometimes it's the wrong question. I think Zerubbabel must have been asking, You gave me this task. You've asked me to rebuild the temple. And now look at all these obstacles. Why? Why? Proverbs 3 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not. On your own understanding. Isaiah 55 says. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways. Declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth. So are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts. If I think I was to boil all that down is. You're not going to know why. So stop asking. Commit your ways to me and I will make your path straight. Don't rely on your own understanding. Don't try to make sense of it. Because what's going on, God's in control. God's in charge. And sometimes we just have to trust and accept them. As difficult and as challenging as they are. (coughs) God is very clear when life is hard and challenging and we feel it's the best time possible to rely on ourselves. He says, don't rely on yourselves. Rely on me. Rely on the Holy Spirit. So finally, what can we expect God to do when we do this? The verse says in verse seven, Nothing, not even a mighty mountain will stand in Zerubbabel's way. It will become a level plain before him. When we rely on God, somehow he makes those obstacles flatter. He allows us to navigate around the obstacles. Not even a mighty mountain will stand in our way. I believe he will also give us the energy. Isaiah 40 will all recognise he, God, will not grow tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope, those who rely in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. This is what we can expect God to do when we rely on him, when we rely on his Holy Spirit. So in conclusion, I am a self-confessed control freak. I like to be in control. I'm a project manager at the moment. You have to be in control. That's how you run a project. You marshal your troops, you put them all together. You give them timelines, you assign tasks. I like being in control. But God says, "Uh -uh. uh-uh, uh-uh, as Ellis does to me, uh uh I don't want you to rely on yourself. I don't want you to rely on your own strength. I want you to rely on me. God calls us not to rely on ourselves, but on him. He calls us not to rely on our own strength and our own efforts, but on his Holy Spirit. We can do this by committing our ways to God and giving up control and letting God be God. We can give up trying to understand why. God calls us to yield, to surrender and to trust him. Put simply, how do we rely on the Holy Spirit? We stop relying on ourselves. Like Paul, we need to recognise And admit our weaknesses and that's okay because when we're weak we're told we will be strong. My power God says is made perfect in weakness. His power isn't made perfect in our strength, his power is made perfect in our weakness. How counter-culture is that today? So it is not by force that we will see the kingdom come. It is not by strength that we will see authentic church grow. But we will succeed by his spirit.